Second Kings, Second Kings, chapter number eight. For several months now, on Sunday evenings, we've been preaching about the Lord God of Elijah. And in the very beginning, I made the statement considering the times in which we live and the difficulties that we face more than ever, we need the wonderful assurance that God is able and willing to meet our needs. And I just don't know of any portion of the Bible that better describes the greatness of God's ability than in the ministry of Elijah and Elisha. And so... The story continues here in chapter number 8, verse number 1. And then spake Elisha unto the woman whose son he had restored to life, saying, Arise, and go thou and thine household, and sojourn wheresoever thou canst sojourn. For the Lord hath called for a famine, and it shall also come upon the land seven years." And the woman arose and did after the saying of the man of God. And she went with her household and sojourned in the land of the Philistines seven years. And it came to pass at the seven years' end that the woman returned out of the land of the Philistines, and she went forth to cry unto the king for her house and for her land. And the king talked with Jehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me, I pray thee, all of the great things that Elisha hath done. And it came to pass, as he was telling the king how he had restored a dead body to life, that, behold, the woman whose son he had restored to life cried to the king for her house and for her land. And Jehazi said, My lord, O king, this is the woman, and this is her son, whom Elisha restored to life. And when the king asked the woman, she told him, So the king appointed unto her a certain officer, saying, Restore all that was hers, and all of the fruits of the field, since the day that she left the land, even until now. It pays to obey. When I was thinking about this, I thought about a story that I heard many years ago, and uh, the mother was busy cleaning the house and cooking supper and doing all of those things, you know, that housewives do. And the, the little kid, the little boy, was under her foot just constantly. I mean, every time she'd turn around, this kid was in the way. So the dad was out on the front porch, and uh, of course, many years ago, the front porch was, a, you know, that was a big gathering place. You spent a lot of time on the front porch and the porch swing, and so uh, anyway, she she sent him out to his daddy. Said, "You go out there with your daddy." No, I don't want to go. So she goes out and tells the daddy, "Look, you got to keep him out here. He's just I, I can't get anything done." He said, "All right, send him on out then." And so the little kid goes out there, and in a little bit, the little kid's squalling and a bawling, and just keeps it up. And finally, the mother can't take it anymore, and she hollered out and asked the dad, said, what's wrong with him? And he said, well, he said, just, you know, he wants something and he can't have it. And she said, well, just let him have it then. And so 
few minutes went by, and I mean, all of a sudden, this blood-curdling scream, this kid is just, I mean, she thinks he's dying, and she runs out there and says, uh, what's wrong with him now? And he says, you said let him have it, and I did. She said, well, what was it? He said, a wasp. He wanted it. You said let him have it. I let him have it. Now, a whole lot of times, folks, we get hurt, and we even hurt others because we're not satisfied with what we've got, and we're not willing to listen. In the case of the little boy, I wasn't willing to listen to Dad. But a lot of times, we're not willing to listen to God. And ultimately, we get hurt. It pays to obey. Now, we've just read this story here. And some have called it a miracle, and some said, well, it's not a real miracle, it's just a coincidence. But regardless of what you call it, it's easy to see God's hand in all of it. And the story reminds us that we are continually confronted with difficult decisions, and the choices that we make will affect us and will affect others. And the big lesson here that we learn is that it pays to obey. Now, notice verse number 1, because in verse 1 we see this woman's revelation. Now, by that, I'm simply talking about a revealing to her a message from God through the prophet Elisha. Notice he says to her, first of all, leave, that is, arise, arise. Now, I have no idea what was going on at that moment. But all of a sudden, the prophet interrupts her and says, Arise. You know, most people refuse to follow God because they don't want to leave something. He says, get up. I mean, she's going to have to leave something. You're going to have to stop what you're doing. Arise. And then notice, secondly, he says, go thou. In other words, get up from where you are, and there's somewhere that I want you to go. And that's the problem with most of us. God says, look, if you're going to follow me, you must forsake all. Isn't that what Jesus said? If we're going to be disciples, whether it was back then in his day or whether it's today, it's a costly proposition. Sometimes we just think that the cost of discipleship related only to those living back then. And we think about the persecution. We think about those who were martyrs for the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to know that if you sell out to the Lord today, it will still cost you something. You'll have to give up something. Everything cannot be in first place. So we've got to leave something, and then we have somewhere to go. Leave, go. Now notice this. There's something to take. He said, go and thine household. In other words, this is to be a family deal. I want you to take the kid. I want you to leave you and your household. So it's not all about you. It's about the child as well. And how many times do we make the mistake of thinking it's all about me? And we never take into consideration the needs of the child. Right? Now, I know sometimes people get out of balance and they go the other direction. It's all about the child and not really what the Lord wants. But I'm not talking about that. 
I'm talking about people that are content with their relationship with God as it is. Just, you know, whatever God would have them to do. But no concern for the members of their family. And so Elisha says, look, I want you to arise. Get up from where you are. I want you to go somewhere. I want you to take your household. And then notice the next word, and sojourn. That means to travel from place to place as a, as, as a pilgrim, as a stranger. You're just, uh, you know, going from pillar to post. Now this shows us that God does not treat everybody the same. You know, you've heard people say, well, you know, God's no respecter of persons, and that's true, but that doesn't mean God treats everybody the same. I can remember as a young preacher, I had it in my mind that in order to be fair, that, that as a pastor I had to treat everybody the same. That's a big mistake. You can't treat everybody the same. Some people are saved and some are lost. Some people are saved and mature in the faith. They've been a Christian for years. And sometimes they're young believers and you've got to deal with them entirely different than somebody that's been saved for 20 years, you see. Now, God could have, you'll remember the widow at Zarephath and how God had fed her and taken care of her. She was able to stay right where she was and God supplied her needs right there in that place. But in this case, he doesn't do that. Now, he can do it, but he doesn't do it. And so to this woman, he says, Arise, go, and thy household, and sojourn. In other words, I've got a different plan for you. And the next phrase shows us that there is a mystery to all of this. Notice, wheresoever thou canst sojourn. I don't know whether you feel the impact of that or not, but that's sort of a scary proposition. God is not revealing all of the details of, of her future. He says, just go travel around wherever you can. Reminds me of Abraham. When God called Abraham out of Earl of the Chaldees, in Genesis chapter number 12 and verse number 1, he told him to go into a land that I will show thee. Look, there's no details given there, folks. God didn't say that, you know, today and then tomorrow and then the next day, I've got it all mapped out and all plotted out for you. I don't know if you're like me, but boy, if I'm traveling somewhere, I've got a plan before I leave. It drives Bev crazy sometimes, but I, I plan everything out. Man, I get the map out and I get on Google and I want to know exactly where I'm going, how many miles, how long it's going to take. I want to know all of the details. You know, I don't know where this old thing comes from where it talks about men never wanting to ask for directions. I find that just the opposite. Man, I mean, if I'm in a store and I don't know where something's at, I'm going to, I'm going to find out where it's at. And, and, you know, I don't think women do that near as much as I do anyway. I want to know the details. And a lot of times in our life, we want to know the details of what God's doing and God's not talking. And God's just saying, you've got to trust me. And it's a day-by-day day walk of faith, and that's exactly what Elisha is telling this woman to do. You just go wheresoever you can. In other words, there'll be some places you can't go. There'll be some instances where the door is going to be shut. You're going to find yourself up against it and places you can't lodge for the night. Just wherever you can go, he said, that's where I want you to go. Why? 
Now get this. Seven long years, there's going to be a famine in the land. Listen, there's going to be a shortage of food. He says, I want you to get up and get out of here. It's going to get bad. You talk about a bad economy. I mean, it's going to get really bad. There's not going to be any food to eat. The crops are not going to grow. The rain's not going to fall. The cattle are going to die. Everything's going south all at the same time. So the economy is horrible. Seven years. And there's not some nice little apartment there, you know, that she can stay in. There's not some beach house. There's not even a relative where she can stay. She's going to wander around for seven years in the land of the Philistines. And we'll talk about that in a minute. She's going among a strange people, folks. Traveling around as a, as a gypsy or a vagabond, just going from place to place. So this is the revelation. Let me tell you something. Whenever we look into God's Word, there are a lot of times that God commands us to do things that we don't understand. I'll just tell you right now, when I look at some of the things in the Bible and I read what God says about thus and thus, and I think to myself, you know, I've got a better plan than that. I'm just being honest with you. There's some things that God says that we ought to do that absolutely, totally makes no sense to me whatsoever. I don't understand it. But whether I understand it or not, I'm obligated to obey God. God didn't say, if you understand it, I want you to do it. God just says, do it. Now, notice her response here in verse number 2. And there's four things that become crystal clear about this woman's response. First of all, there is commitment. She obeyed. And the woman arose and did after the saying of the man of God. Keep in mind, this is a woman. The Bible itself describes her as a great woman. If you go back and read chapter number 4 and you look at all of the details, and here is a woman that cared deeply about people. Here is a woman that loved God sincerely. Here is a woman that made a special point to take care of the preacher, even built a little addition onto the side of the house as a room for the preacher and was taking care of the preacher and, and, and his servant. She was a great woman. Now, you would think if anyone would be exempt from problems, it ought to be this woman, right? Because she loves God and she loves people. She's doing all of the right things. But even that does not exempt her from these problems, you see. And now she's got a choice to make. The preacher comes along and says, look, you need to leave. Get up from where you are. Go out here for the next seven years living on the streets, so to speak. That takes commitment to do something like that. And then notice that she obeyed immediately. There's no question. I don't know about you, but I would have inquired a little bit, don't you think? Can you give me any details? What do you mean just get up and get going and take my family? I want some details. I want more information than that. But there's no question. There's no hesitation. There's no argument. Let me tell you, when it comes to obedience, there's great danger in delay. When God tells us to do something, He expects us to do it right then. And that's why so many times I keep saying 
in one church service after another, if God is dealing with your heart about something right now, that's because right now He wants you to do something about it. Amen. Not next week, not next month, right now, right in this service, I mean this very hour, God expects you to act upon that. She obeyed immediately and she obeyed implicitly. By that I mean she did everything she was told to do. She did not vary one bit from the instructions that God had given to her. So there is commitment, number one, and then there's concern. Concern, no doubt, for herself, but I think mainly concern for her family. Now, she could have just said, well, I don't care how tough it gets, you know. I'm just going to suck it up. I'm going to stay right here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm tough. I'm independent. I can make it. I don't need anybody else. When Hurricane Ike came through, I, you know, I, I, in, in fact, every storm we've had in the last 20-plus years that I've been here, I've just stayed put. And... Uh, so some of the family would get together and what have you, but I'd just decide I'm going to stay right here. And, uh, and I did. But I, I think I pretty well figured out the next time, if they say a Category 4 or especially a 5, I'm out of here. I'm not hanging around for that. I mean, you've got to be a glutton for punishment to want to stay in the face of something like that. And if a person is concerned, what do they do? They get up and they get going. Here is a woman here that is concerned about her family. And when we're concerned about our family, when we're really concerned about other people, we'll put their welfare ahead of our own personal preferences. It's not always about us and what we want to do. It's about their needs in life also. So here is a woman that is committed to obeying the Word of God, and she's concerned about others. And then I want you to think about the courage of this decision. It just appears that she's going to lose everything. Get up from where you are. I want you to leave it all behind. That's a pretty tough assignment, right? I mean, she knows what's going to happen. She knows there are going to be other people there taking over her property. There are going to be other people that will be stealing her goods, the things that she cannot carry. They're going to be taking. And so there's this overwhelming sense of insecurity. She doesn't know what her future holds. And she also knows that she might be criticized by others. Can you imagine what some of the neighbors might say? Well, you're crazy. I mean, what in the world are you doing? You mean you're going to listen to that preacher? You're just going to leave it all behind? Because at this point in time, folks, everything seems to be going pretty good. There's food on the table right now. Not a problem. And the rest of the folks don't have any idea for the next seven years there's going to be a drought and a food shortage and so in their mind, why in the world would you leave all of this to go out there and to wander around like a vagabond? Why would you do that? It takes courage to obey the Lord because when you do, when you sell out to God, there are going to be some other folks think you've lost your marbles. They're going to think you're a religious fanatic. 
I like what one fellow said many years ago. He said, I might be a nut, but I'm screwed on the right bolt anyway. Amen. I mean, you, listen, you call me whatever. But when it comes to obeying God, we need to do just that, regardless of what anybody else thinks about it. Then notice her confidence. Now remember, faith is always evidenced by obedience. How many times do we hear people talk about how much they love God and how much they trust God, and yet they refuse to obey God? Remember what James said. He said, you show me your faith without works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. In other words, real, genuine faith will always give evidence of itself by obeying the Lord. How much do you trust God? How much do you love the Lord? Are you really willing to obey God? And I'll guarantee you right now, every single person in this building could take a pencil and piece of paper and you could start making a list of areas of your life where you are living in disobedience to God. Am I right? Is there anybody here that would be so bold as to be able to raise their hand right now and say, Preacher, I'm telling you the truth. I cannot think of one single area of my life that is outside the will of God. I am doing a great job in everything God wants me to do. I mean, anybody here that can raise their hand and say that? I mean, it would be great if you could. Most of us have to confess we are not living a life of perfect obedience. We all come short in some way or another. And the problem is, is we don't evidently see that as a big problem. Because we go on week after week without ever dealing with any of those issues in our life. And at the same time, talking about how much we love God and how much we trust God. When the Bible says, remember Jesus said, if you, what? If you love me, he said, you will obey me. If a man love me, he will keep my commandments. So it all gets back to that relationship with the Lord. And here is a woman that has the courage to obey God. And this is where the courage comes from, folks. The courage comes from confidence in God. She's trusting God to take care of her. She believes God will take care of her. When you think about the future and maybe you read the news headlines and you turn on the television and it's talking about the economy and all of the problems and some of you here, right here this morning, you know, you've lost your job. And I mean, listen, it's getting tough. It really is. But I, as a Christian... I think it's a sin for us to ever think that God will not take care of us. God's promised He would. Now listen, there's a kicker there. You've got to remember, God's not going to provide all your needs. God's not going to take care of all your problems. If you're living in disobedience to Him, you better understand that. Somebody says, oh, well, I tried this business of trusting God one time, and things got worse instead of better. 
Well, you can expect that if you're not living a life of obedience to God. But when we are obeying God, when we are following God, when we're doing what God commands, even when it doesn't make sense to us, it doesn't make sense to anybody else, but we do it anyway because God said do it. When you live your life according to that rule, you mark it down, you will never, ever lack God's supply. He'll take care of you. Now... That brings us down to the final thing, and that's her reward. And there are two things I want to say about this. Number one, it's amazing. Look at verse number 6, especially here. And when the king asked the woman, she told him, and so the king appointed unto her a certain officer, saying, Restore all that was hers and all of the fruits of the field since the day that she left the land, even until now. Now, she had traveled around seven years among the Philistines. And in all of that time, I mean, listen, she's still alive. So in all of that time, God has met her needs. Isn't that amazing? She left all of the security of her home, goes out and wanders among the Philistines, and God is taking care of her all of that time. But there, among the strangers, she felt nothing that caused her to want to remain. You know, there's no place like home, is there? And no doubt, many a night, that woman went to bed thinking about her home, thinking about what she had left, thinking about what she had lost, wondering what is going on back home. And all of this time, God is providing for her even through the Philistines. But there's yet that desire to go back home. And here's the thing about it. It's not only amazing, but it's arranged entirely by the Lord. Everything seemed to be working against this woman, but God had a plan. He always has a plan. Now, you just imagine being in this woman's shoes and you ask yourself, how would I feel if somebody had stolen my identity? Somebody was living in my house, they're spending my money, they're harvesting my crops, and the only person that could help is a crooked politician. That's the situation this woman is in. And so she's going to go back to this this wicked king, and inquire about her possession she left seven years ago. And yet that was no problem at all for God. The Bible says the king's heart's in the Lord's hands, and he turneth it whithersoever he will as the rivers of water. That's no problem with God. In fact, there's not any problems with God. He's big enough to solve all of them. Now, some folks get the picture. Jehazi, the servant of Elisha, just happens to be there with the king. And the king says to Jehazi, I want you to tell me, I've been all of this stuff that, that your master's been doing. I, I, tell me about that. All of these miracles, I hear about it all of the time. And so Jehazi is relating the miracles of Elisha, those things we've been talking about for months now. 
Here he is telling about all of it. And just as he comes to that part about Elisha raising up a woman's son from the dead, at that very moment, this woman walks in. That's a dangerous thing to do. Just walk into the king's presence when he's already engaged in a conversation especially. And so she walks in and she says, I've got a complaint. What about my property? The very woman. And Jehazi turns to the king and says, that's the woman. You see, folks, a lot of times we think that things are, well, coincidence or we think it's just an accident that it turned out that way. And it's not that at all. There are no accidents and no coincidence with God. Everything is planned. He knows the end from the beginning. God knows your future this morning, and God has a plan in all of that. I love what Benjamin Franklin said, and especially as we approach July the 4th. We need to remember these words. God governs in the affairs of men, and if a sparrow cannot fall on the ground without his notice, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? You look back through the history of our nation and you see God's handprint everywhere. Read the story of Providence sometimes. And you could just stamp providence upon our history, folks. God working in ways that we could never imagine. And you might think it's just an accident that you're here today. It's really, I don't have time to talk about it. Talk to Gina Smith sometime about this. And I'll tell you, her and some of the folks from Lakeland are absolutely convinced that God just put all of these pieces together in some weird sort of way and bringing us together in one body. It's certainly not anything any of us would have ever sat down and thought about and planned out. It just happened in our mind. It just happened. And yet in the mind of God, He's involved in all of this. I don't know about you, but that's exciting to me. To think about God taking care of us, it's amazing. He arranges all of the details. And notice how abundant this is. There in verse number 6, he says, the king says to his servant, he appointed a special messenger to go with this woman. A representative of the king. Can you imagine now? She's walking down the street. Seven long years she's wandered among the Philistines. Now she's walking down the street and at her side is the king's representative. And whatever says by him goes. And the king goes back and whoever the squatters might have been there at the house, he says, get up and leave. This house belongs to this woman. Get up and leave. And everything, and notice this is interesting, everything from that point back during the seven years, everything she had lost, all of it was restored to her. 
what she thought she was losing when the Lord said, I want you to arise and go, and no doubt she's thinking, if I do that, look at what I'm leaving. Look at what I'm losing. What she thought she was losing, God was protecting and preserving for her until the tough time was over. Are you getting this? This is amazing. It's kind of like God said, look, there's going to be a drought and people starving and everything else. I just want you to go somewhere else for a while. When you get back, everything's going to be here in ship shape. I'm going to take care of it. And He restored all of that to her. Christians, it might be that sometimes you think you're on the losing end of the deal. It might seem in your mind that if I really sell out to God, if I do what God wants me to do, if I obey God, I'm going to be miserable. And that's where most of us go wrong because the devil convinces us, you know, you know deep in your heart what God wants you to do. That's true of most of us, is it not? Deep down in your heart, you know what the Bible says. You know what God expects. And the only reason you don't do it is you're afraid if I do that, I'm going to be miserable. What about me? Well, in the first place, it's not all about you. You're not the most important person in this world. But in the second place, if you are really concerned about yourself, you better listen to God. Because you're not going to come out a loser. God is going to restore everything. And I'll guarantee you when we stand before our blessed Lord, regardless of the sacrifices we've made, there will not be one complaint come forth from our lips. Not one. We'll sing that old song that says, He hath done all things well. Amen. He's going to restore it all. You obey the Lord You won't be a loser. This is the whole duty of man, folks. Right here, Solomon said, it's the whole duty of man to fear God and to keep His commandments. That's what it all gets down to. It pays to obey. No, it's not an accident that you're here. I read an interesting story the other day and never really even thought about it. In 1898, there was a traveler by the name of John Nicholson, and uh, he, he, he came to a hotel in Wisconsin somewhere, and it was late at night, about 9 o'clock, he needed a room. Well, every room was taken. Didn't have a place for him. But in those days, they actually sometimes shared rooms with, with complete strangers. And so the clerk asked him, well, if I can find somebody that doesn't mind, would you mind staying in a room with someone else? And he said, no, fine with me. I need a place to sleep. So I want you to stay in room number 19, a man by the name of Samuel Hill. And so he agreed, went to the room. He went in, he crawled into the bed, and he opened his Bible and began to just read. And the man in the other bed, Samuel Hill, awoke and he looked over at this stranger and so Nicholson apologized. He said, look, I'm sorry, do you mind if I keep the light on just a little bit longer? He said, at the age of 19, I promised my mother who was dying that I would read my Bible every single night. And so the other fellow said, no, that's okay. He said, read it aloud. He said, I'm a Christian too. 
And so Nicholson read the entire chapter, John chapter number 15, and then the two got out of bed and knelt down and prayed together, and then they stayed up until 2 o'clock in the morning discussing the needs of traveling Christians. And out of that so-called chance meetings, the Giddens International was born And they distribute one million copies of the Scripture somewhere in the world every six days. Chance? Coincidence? Accident? Oh no, none of those words are to be found in God's dictionary. And it's not an accident you're here this morning. I don't know what God is saying to you. I don't know exactly what God expects from you. But I know that it pays to obey. You Listen, you get what you want, just like that little boy, you're going to get hurt. You insist on it, you're going to pay for it. But if you're willing to obey God, I'll guarantee you, you'll come out a winner every time. It pays to obey. Let's stand together. Father, use Your Word now to speak to our hearts. And Lord, help us this morning to be brutally honest about ourselves. Help us, Heavenly Father, to confess our shortcomings, to admit our stubborn, rebellious attitude toward You. And may we repent and do whatever it is that You would have us to do, because we beg it in Jesus' dear name. While we stand, while we sing this morning,